everyone. Welcome to the Bored and Bitchy Podcast, a place where we love to talk about all the mess that is 90 Day Fiance. I'm Evie, and I'm an LA girl who's currently living in London. Hi, everyone. I'm Kat, an LA slash California girl currently living in Arizona. And my warning for you is that we drop profanity from time to time. It's sprinkled in. You've been warned. You have been warned. And I'm also warning you now that I have been wouldn't say lazy uh lazy when it comes to looking up 90 day news but very diligent when it comes to my actual paying job so apologies y'all I don't have a shit sandwich for you today or a um emotionally traumatic roller coaster but it Mm. just means that we have more time to go straight into the episode which I found very entertaining this week I guess you have your priorities straight fine whatever your bills (laughs) are paid um yeah let's take this over to rock city here we come i mean is this what we can't is this it the rocks or i mean is there anything else people are really just coming to see rocks wow americans I mean, are crazy <laughs> emily you know so they're emily and kobe are going to go see this place as a potential wedding venue but when she was like yeah rock city rock city obviously you know this is the intro we're not getting any context and i'm thinking does kansas or like a neighboring part of salina kansas have a Nashville type of scene you know is it like rock and roll city no rock city is a land of giant boulders <laughs> yeah I feel like it should have been called like boulder city because I thought that I didn't think of like a music town a la Austin or Nashville but when they said rock city mm-hmm. I was like where's the rock and roll hall of fame I thought that was in a different state I'm like literally <laughs> thinking like what rock musicians have come out of Kansas is there some kind of like convention or no, it was just a bunch of rocks. I think there is a band from the 70s called Kansas. I don't know, but <laughs> that might not mean they're from there. It's just, it was, okay, here's the thing. I think Emily hyped it up. And so when Kobe discovered it was just rocks, he was like, wah, wah. I mean, the rocks were, you know, they were smooth and kind of nice to look at, I guess. Grab a coffee, go sit down. It's like a park. But he was expecting a lot more. So when he got there and asked, is this all? <laughs> Emily in her hyped up mind was like, no, there's more rocks over there. <laughs> have you seen this one smooth boulder? No, I agree with you. <laughs> I think if someone would have just told me, hey, we want to go for a nice little morning uh, hike in this area with all these rocks. I'm like, cool. We would have showed up and I'm like, oh, this is cool. You know, like a different mm-hmm. little setting. I love a hike. That would have been nice. But yeah, I think it's because she's like, this is like my favorite place on earth. This place is so beautiful. I can't wait for you to see. This is going to be the perfect set. And she was like all this hype. And then he shows up and he's like, they're just literally a lot of rocks. And it's not even like, you know how like you have like the, what is it? The rocks in like Arizona and Utah. Oh, the red rocks in Sedona that are absolutely <laughs> gorgeous. That you Yeah. Can, yes. <laughs> These kind of build in comparison. Just a smidge. But you know what? Let's commemorate the moment. Wedge yourself into the hole of that rock so I can take a picture. <laughs> that was actually pretty funny, though. And I was like, Kobe's not a small dude. He's going to get stuck. That's what I was thinking. I was like, it's, he's not really fitting in there smoothly. <laughs> I don't know if this is such a great idea, but do your thing. I mean, if he gets stuck, they're going to have to get married there. They're going to have to live there. Um. Okay, so they go to see this venue. And honestly, on their way there, they're kind of having this conversation, or maybe it's on the way back, but she's letting us know that she's been really busy planning for this wedding. And I'm like, okay, but have you been busy financially planning and budgeting for your future? 
And I'm thinking, probably not. And then that's when there's a reveal. It's it's not like made super, um, oh my God, what is the word I'm looking for? Obvious, but it's subtle. Emily's parents had agreed to help her. Apparently, they're giving her $10,000 on this wedding. And she is hell-bent on spending all of it, despite Kobe's insistence that some of that should be actually used towards their future. Yeah, this is totally nuts. And again, I am here with the sentiment that you had last week, which was Father Emily, uh, that (laughs) all that energy and all that like big talk that you were trying to give Kobe about budgeting and about being financially smart and making wise decisions, you need to be having those conversations with your daughter. Because why is this man giving them $10,000 for a wedding when he's literally been ingraining into Kobe like y'all don't have a budget, you don't have income, you only have $4,000 to live on, none of you have jobs, and I'm not going to be paying for you like you would think he'd be like, all right, I'm going to give you some money to literally set up, you know, to, to maintain you while you get work. But like, just for a wedding, I, I don't know, I think Kobe is definitely has his mind in the right place for this. And Emily just keeps pissing me off with this like dream of a magical wedding that she has when she has no money. Exactly. And here's the thing, like, I know some people are thinking, well, you know, really nice weddings are really expensive and she wants a nice wedding. I get that. But if it's not within your means, why are you reaching for that? Like, don't live above your means and this is a this is a gift like your father's giving you ten thousand dollars i mean kobe has four thousand let's say we put another four thousand from that into kobe's share at minimum to give you another month or so maybe a month of living expenses like i just it's fucking stupid this is fucking stupid it's so stupid and it made me think like would kobe and kara be a better match and Emily and what's his face? Why am I forgetting his name? No, I think I think Guillermo. Kobe and Guillermo would be a better match because they're both thinking the same thing. And Emily and Kara would be a better match. <laughs> no, because Kara is the one that's saying, let's have a courthouse wedding. Oh, and okay, let's okay, not okay. buy the laptop because we have no money. When yeah, right. Guillermo's like, look at this beautiful mountainside. <laughs> and this looks like the set of Brokeback Mountain. Like, we could have a wedding here. Like, Emily, Emily would love that place to get married. So, yeah, I think Kobe and Kara are more aligned, which is what you should be thinking. Like, I don't see what's wrong with being like, we are forced to get married in 90 days just for this visa. So let's bang out a quickie courthouse wedding. Let's get ourselves set up financially. And in a year or two, if y'all want to throw the biggest wedding possible with this TLC money, by all means, like, get these rocks going, you know, like, yes, do yeah. it. But right now, it doesn't seem like the smartest way to spend money. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Let's get them matched up. You know, but let's dwell on the fact that Emily's parents are enablers. We've discussed this before, and it continues to prove itself. The first example being that they're giving her $10,000 for a wedding, you know, even though they want them to be financially stable, just like everything you said. Another example is the fact that The mom is letting us know point blank in the confessional that like her daughter should not be so concerned about planning this wedding because she should instead be concerned about developing her relationship with Kobe. But she doesn't say shit. She's telling uh, this to us through the confessional camera. And I'm surprised she hasn't sat down Kobe to tell him because it seems like (laughs) they like to communicate everything to Kobe. But the family motto is 
well, you know Emily, you can't tell her nothing, and she runs everything, so hopefully Kobe will get it together. That's exactly what she says. She's like, but you know, Emily wants to do what she wants to do. And I'm like, um, and who made that possible, ma'am? Like, who didn't put their foot down? But anyway, let's focus on the fun part of their segment, which is the wedding dress shopping and uh, ring gate, if we'll call it that. I liked Emily's second uh, wedding dress. I thought that was very flattering. It looked good on her. I wasn't crazy about the first dress, even though she kept on trying to sell us on the pockets where she's like, yeah, look, I and I, in the pockets and I can put my hands in, which I agree, pockets are very convenient and they're fun, but maybe mm. not an essential. Like, are you carrying around? What are you carrying around on your wedding day? You know, like, not money because I don't have any. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully you've used that $10,000 to pay a photographer so you won't need your phone. So yeah, girl, you don't need the pockets. Second dress for sure. But Emily reveals to her family that because she is so dissatisfied with the cheap ring that Kobe gave her when he proposed to her originally, she has used her own money to purchase her own wet engagement ring because she knows Kobe can't afford one of his own. My husband was so mad at this point. <laughs> was he? <laughs> with me what is my the husband was, perspective on this my husband was like i mean he didn't say this you know but like i swallow lying bitch like <laughs> like how dare you be deceptive and i think i think for my husband and i i am guessing here but this was my sentiment it isn't so much about the deception because i mean that part is bad but it's this whole idea of like just this elitism of the the ring that this man gifted to you is so far below your standards that and you have absolutely no faith in him coming through with a ring you want, that you're going to go ahead and buy yourself a ring instead. Absolutely. And again, it just pisses me off because people go into these relationships with blinders. Like if I decide to date someone who is only periodically employed or, you know, is a booty bongo dancer at a club just sometimes and sometimes he's a personal trainer and all this is happening in a country where you don't earn that much money. I am not expecting a, you know, wedding ring that costs thousands of dollars. I would assume that they probably don't have a lot of money. So just the thought, you know, like thinking of like, I'm going to get you something that looks nice. Like that would be more important to me. These people are very delusional because it's like they have the background on their partner's financial situation, where they come from, their ability to earn. And yet they have these like huge expectations. So yeah, I don't know why Emily expected more. And I understand that she wants to have a nicer ring, but you still have years like you're supposedly getting married to be together for the rest of your life. Give the man the opportunity to work and buy you the ring you want. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, exactly. Where did the money come from to begin with? Did it come out of the 10K your dad gave you? I mean... And and again, to the point of no one says shit to Emily, like the most that was said to her was when her mom said marriage is not about the ring. It's about the life and relationship you're developing. Well, clearly, based on confessionals and faces, uh, Emily's mom, Emily's grandma and Emily's sister had very strong feelings about this. But, you know, whatever. Emily does what she wants. Do you get the sense that Emily's family doesn't like her that much? Because even when she came out in the first dress, like, you know, wedding dress shopping, I feel like the first time your family sees you in a wedding dress, even if they don't really like that dress, they're like, oh, my God, and just very excited. And she came out and her sister was like, mm, yeah, OK, like people are just not really <laughs> fawning over her. And I think they're sick of her shit. Well, I mean, that first dress wasn't very nice. <laughs> it could also be that I was not a fan of that drop 
jeweled waist it just yeah the frame yeah i don't know that's a good point um but this also makes me wonder like does emily have some kind of crazy superpower that allows her to hurt their family if they go against her will you know i feel like this is some sci-fi movie that we're watching now yeah i i do feel like kobe literally almost getting stuck in that rock formation (laughs) was just a a very literal metaphor of his current (laughs) situation um instead of stuck between a rock and a hard places i'm literally stuck in a rock it's a hard place to be (laughs) in Oh, my God. Well, a hard place to be in is that of Jabri and Miona and Jabri's family. And maybe Jabri has it the hardest because he's struggling with, like, what Miona wants versus what his family is telling him versus what he really wants, but also what he's done for himself. Because after having spoken to Davide in Chicago, you know, he's really reconsidered if this relationship is in the right place, if it's going to be moving in the right direction. And it was, again, this was subtle, but Miona basically mentioned that he's been a little bit distant since they got back from Chicago. Well, he's going to become even more distant after having this coffee chat with his uh, mom and dad. I appreciate Bilal. I mean, Bilal, I do appreciate Jibri's honesty and like the fact, his trepidations, I guess, uh, seem very genuine to me. And I like understand the pressure of like how how stressful it must be as much as you like or love someone under normal circumstances most people in a relationship are not going to get married in 90 days you know you those are just time to date and get to know each other and maybe in a year a few months or a couple years you finally feel secure enough to get married that is a huge decision to have to make and you literally are forced into making it because otherwise you remain thousands of miles apart and you can't like really build that relationship of seeing each other on a regular basis. So I get where that's stressful and I appreciate that he opens up and is honest about it because I, I do think in a normal circumstance, if they both were American and they didn't have to get married, he wouldn't be marrying her right now. He would be dating her and also focused on his music and not have to stress about how to support her and how to pay for a wedding. So I get all that. My frustration is Jabri's literally opening up about this with everyone except Miona. You know, like he's telling his mama, he's coming clean to Davide, uh, Space Cash is over there, and like he's talking into the helmet. But it's like he's not totally expressing it to the one person he should. It's Miona, and it seems like the when it's actually going to come out to Miona is going to be when like his parents pull it out of him in front of her. And then she feels cornered, you know, or when David's there and then Again, she's cornered. It's not like he's having a one-to-one with her. Or in their vows. Like, I vow to not let you steamroll me. I mean, yes, like, I, I do I do somewhat sympathize with Jibri. But, like, let's also acknowledge that the choices he's made have led to where he is now. You know, it's – and I get that maybe he was enamored and swept off his feet. And so now it's all coming to a head. But – I don't know. I just I I do feel a little bit bad for Miona, or at least I did. I felt a little bit bad for Miona that he was now going to have this conversation with her in the park and he put his foot down as he should. So kudos to him. I started to not feel so bad with Miona when she was like, fuck your parents. I don't care if they come. Why would anyone care if they come to our wedding? Yeah, again, like it's hard to root for anyone on this show. And I do feel bad for her because I'm like, she's young and she's probably immature. She's so far away from her family. So in part of her mind must be thinking like, my family doesn't fucking get to be here. So who cares if your family doesn't show up? Like, we'll just do our own thing. And 
um, you know, the only person invited is Space Cash and that one girl in your band. I like no one else can come. But yeah, that is not if he's trying to be truthful with you and let you know, like, hey, you know, my parents are pushing back. I really want them to be there. The best response is not to be like, well, fuck your parents. I don't care if they come like mm, not a good place to start. But I am going to call out his parents on some bullshit. <laughs> that is that when they sat down at this coffee shop, he told his parents that they decided on a beach wedding. And right away, like not, there were there were not any other details shared right away. They were like, well, we can't make it. We just can't take time off from work because of the lack of planning. And I'm like, um, it's not like he said he's getting married in the Bahamas in a week. Like you don't know which beach he's getting married on. You don't know exactly when he's going to get married. They're like, you haven't taken the time to stop and actually consult with each other and consult with the budget and look at your work calendar. It was just straight off the bat. Oh, it's a beach wedding. Well, I mean, I'm going to be busy that day. So sorry. Yeah, they clearly don't want to go. And it's just, again, another excuse to be like, uh, we don't want to be part of this and maybe make uh, Jabri second guess his decision. But yeah, I agree with you. It's like as soon as someone is like, well, Kat, I need to ask you for a favor. Like, really busy that week. They're like, I haven't told you what we, yeah, no, I can't. You, My workload is insane right now. I was like, I thought you were unemployed. Still, still. I have a, I have a job interview in India. I really got to take it. Exactly. All right. Well, let's move this train over to Dallas. Um, and let's go furniture shopping, but not actually go shopping. <laughs> Let me, here's the thing. <laughs> I appreciate a good window shopping, but was Patrick not clear with Thais when he said, let's go to the furniture store? Did he not mention like, oh, by the way, we're just browsing, not buying? I don't think he mentioned to her that they were going to the school of Kara, uh, doing a Kara style visit where it was like, I'm just going to take you to an unrealistic place where everything is out of our budget just to get you excited and get give you an idea of prices. Like, no, that wasn't mentioned to Thais. He said, let's go into a furniture store. Got price tag shock. And we're like, mm, we're just here to kind of like start creating a mood board. I didn't say we were actually going to buy anything. And um, kudos to the sales associate whose name is Gustavo. When he saw that, like these two were not on the same page, he was like, I am not going down without a sale. So he stepped in very casually and convinced them to compromise and start small. Um, and so he was like, yes, I got a sale, right? They chose the vase. But then he also was like, let me instill some wisdom. And when they were like, we got the vase, he made it a point to say, I'm glad you two compromised with an emphasis on compromised while pausing his actions and looking at them directly in the face. Absolutely. To me, I was like, this man is a true salesman. Because within a few minutes, he realized like, all right, Patrick's now opening his wallet. They're not going to make any big purchases, but my time will not be wasted on nonsense. So I will sell something. And he's like, you know what? Let's start small. We don't need to start buying furniture. Let's find a piece that we can compromise. Like, do you like this color? How do we feel about blue? And that man made a sale. Good for him. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Now they got home and they had this whole discussion about money. And what I didn't appreciate I thought was really rude was this gesture of throwing a credit card and some cash at the table in Thais's direction. And while it may have been just an organic reaction to Patrick's frustration, the messaging that that conveys was just so fucking cringe to me. No, it was awful. Unless I'm on a fucking pole bouncing my ass. 
Um, yeah, either, give me the pin. <laughs> yeah, either professionally or just for fun. There's no other reason why you should be chucking money at me. It's super disrespectful. If you did not want to actually buy furniture or you didn't, if you couldn't afford the furniture in that store, you should have taken my ass to Ikea. Don't take me to some furniture store where everything's out of reach and then try to make it seem unreasonable that I want to purchase stuff. Like literally take me to Ikea, be like, we have a budget of $300, go nuts. But it, it was two things. It was the throwing the money at her, which was so rude. And mm-hmm. second, when Thais, like, you know, Thais can be super bratty and entitled herself. And I don't think she's super grateful for the stuff she does have. But at the same time, she made a really good point during their argument after the furniture store where she was like, you know what, I actually don't have any idea of our financial situation. You don't Mm -hmm. tell me how much you make. You don't tell me what things cost. You don't tell me what you have in the bank. So I actually don't know what we can spend. If I had visibility on that, then I would have a more realistic notion of what we could do. And he was like, well, you don't need to worry about like, he just wouldn't tell her. So Mm -hmm. then yeah, if then if all I've been conditioned to expect is that when you used to visit me, you used to wine and dine and just buy me whatever I wanted, and price wasn't a conversation or a topic, then why would I think any difference? So I think she was actually being really mature with being like, let's sit down, let's look at the numbers, and then I'll know. And he wouldn't tell her. I am 100% agree with you. Like, I was very impressed by Thais's rise to the occasion in her maturity and just in her wisdom, because part of it is, yes, like you said, she's been conditioned, so she needs to tame those expectations. But the other part of it, the more realistic and maybe scary part of it is that she is financially dependent on him. So she should have some kind of idea as to what the income looks like, because, I mean, granted, she cannot work, but she needs to be cautious on what's happening. He mentioned something about like it ebbs and flows and I get it. He's in sales, but be real with her. Tell her like the minimum that you've experienced and the maximum you experienced and then ha- make a plan together. She might not be your wife now, which was fucking rude when he said that you're not my wife yet. You don't need to know. She's going to be your wife. Like you guys are in a government contract right now that states you're going to get married within a certain time frame. And you're literally in a government contract that states that you need to be supporting her financially. Um, she can't work for a while. So yeah, these are important things that should be shared. If this is a woman that you supposedly want to marry and spend the rest of your life with, then why mm. can't you let her know what your income is? And more importantly, what the budget is like, Jabri can't vocalize a budget to Fiona. <laughs> like no one can actually say, I don't have the money. You know, like no one will <laughs> say that. It is just always talking around the topic instead of being like, listen, I got a thousand dollars to my name, <laughs> plus a couple of Bed Bath and Beyond, you know, fifty percent off coupons. What can we do with that? Right. And another contract that they're currently bound by right now is the ninety day contract. Like, give us the deets. What's going on, Patrick? Do you need help? Do you need financial advising? Do you need an accountant? What's happening? Absolutely. Another couple that is facing some interesting contract questions are Mm. Shida and Bilal because Bilal always finds a way to ruin (laughs) what could be a beautiful moment. Nice segue, by the way. Yeah, I know. So 
I thought how nice they're in Atlanta visiting his sister, Nefertari. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And while they're there, let's go on this romantic um, Ferris wheel adventure. Even though I think Shida is afraid of heights. I think that was mentioned. And there's yeah. like glass cage that's 40 <laughs> stories in the air. But like, how Fair beautiful, choice. how sweet. <laughs> yeah, just don't look down. Also, while we're here, let me throw out this prenup conversation that I maybe briefly mentioned in the past, but you didn't think I was being serious about. But like I full on met with a lawyer and have it drafted right here. And again, I'm like, the shadiness of this man knows no bounds. You are <laughs> You are a grown ass man. And the only reason I'm trying to like age shame this man is because he loves to lecture. We've seen that he likes to be Daddy mm-hmm. Bilal and Daddy Bilal knows all. And, and he kind of treats Shida like she's a child in a way. You know, he like talks down to her a lot. But if this prenup was so important to you, which again, I'm not poo pooing on a prenup, you know, like <laughs> I'm not like. If you own a house, you own a business, you have kids, you want to protect your assets before you met, like, by all means, but be 100%. Like, there is no reason Shida should even be in the country without that having been pre-agreed to, you know? Like, if she had said, there's no way I'm signing a prenup, and he said, my deal breaker is prenup or no wedding, why are these two still even talking? You know, like, what, where, where are we going with this? I'm shaking my head over here. I'm starting to think that um, Bilal taking Shida on this fear-inducing <laughs> Ferris wheel ride was a tactic that, like, disorient her <laughs> and get her to sign it. And then, like, once she signs it, be like, okay, let me get you off this ride to safety. Um, but so anyway, so they get off and the the romantic plan continues with a horse and carriage ride. <laughs> And, you know, Shida's mood has changed at this point. Bilal mentioned the confessional, like, in retrospect, maybe I shouldn't have brought it up. Really? She's thinking about it. Right. And she's like, all right, let me revisit this conversation. Let me look at the prenup. And it's at this moment that Bilal says, oh, okay, you want you want to look at the prenup? Like, you want to kill the romance? I was just about to serenade you, but oh, well. I'm like, my dude, you killed the romance before it even started. Exactly. And his attitude, he's like, oh, you actually want to read this document that I want you to sign, this, like, legally binding document? Like, he looked really shocked about it. We get the preview for next week where Shida is like, well, I would like to have a lawyer look after this. I want legal advice. And he's looking like, what? You want to have agency in this situation? Like, pull out. the counter? <laughs> yeah, it's like, sir, you brought up a contract in what supposedly was meant to be a romantic moment. So, yeah, now that you killed the vibe, I would like to fully read it, know what I'm in for, and I'm going to have some adjustments. Like, literally, when she was like, I'm reading this, my main thing when I was watching it with my boyfriend, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, you know what? I'm going to have a problem with the prenup, but we are going to make some adjustments to this. And I said the same thing that she said in the preview. I was like, all right, uh, I need actual assurances that we will try any means necessary to get pregnant whether that's naturally or with the help of science by this date, if we don't, this is the payout that I'm going to need. Like, yeah, let's, let's negotiate, you know, we'll both protect ourselves. Exactly. Um, I don't know if you caught this. It was very subtle again, but it was so funny when they're discussing this prenup in the horse and carriage. Bilal makes it a point, you know, to get on the podium and lecture talking about 
that prenup states that I, as your husband and as your caretaker and protector, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it was at this moment that he's talking about, I'm your caretaker and protector and will look out for all your needs, that the camera pans in on the fact that he's not sharing the blanket meant for both of them <laughs> while riding the horse and carriage through the winter streets of Atlanta. <laughs> I do not catch that bit of shady uh, recording and editing, but I love it. And yeah, it's like, I am your care and protector. So I'm going to take you to experience this thing that you hate, which is heights. <laughs> and then just orient you um, with this carriage, right? So yeah, I do think it was a tactic. It did not work, though, because Shida has a wits about her. Mm -hmm. um, I am just curious, like my main question is, what song was Bilal going to serenade her with before she killed the mood? Like, <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. And also, I don't know how I missed this, but like a quick nod to a good throwback movie, Anchorman, Shida was literally in a glass cage of emotion, <laughs> that like all glass Ferris wheel thinking about this prenup. A, a yes, a true glass uh, case of emotion. <laughs> well, let's focus on um, the wedding dress shopping really quickly because you and I like to, you know, evaluate the dresses. What was your thought on the dress that Shida wore? The last one with uh, that was like a very form fitting, but then had all the ruffles at the bottom. I actually thought that was stunning on her. I don't know if I personally like that level of ruffles on me, but who knows? I haven't tried a dress like that on. But on her and like her body shape, I just thought with everything else, it just looks so beautiful to me. I don't know about you. I only saw that dress. So I'm jealous that you got to see her in more dresses. But um, that being the one dress that I saw, I was like, oh, wow. Like she just is that, like you said, the form fitting. And then that the brightness of that white is stunning on her. Like not everyone can pull off a bright, bright white like that. But it was just she was a vision, I thought. And shout out to Bilal's sister, because I felt like she was being like truly supportive. You know, like a lot of times when family members of friends of the American person go along to supposedly support the foreign uh, partner, there's always little like shady comments or just a little like shit stirring happening. Like, you know, uh, Joby uh, is frequent. He's like a frequent member of. <laughs> VIP at the strip club. Oh, did you not know that? You know, you didn't know that. Oh, but no, I feel like she was actually truly supportive, which was really nice. Yeah, and we came to learn that like they've already started a bond. Apparently, they used to talk on the phone all the time. Um, yeah, I just really appreciate that she was she was very genuine and honest. Like, of course, that's Bilal's sister, so he's not. She's not going to throw him under the bus, but she was more like. Well, have you two talked about it? And if you haven't talked about it, like how long can you really see yourself living it with, you know, these things that irk you? So kudos to her. Um, you had mentioned something that was actually a perfect segue. And that is, you know, when people want to be supportive, but they make these comments. And I feel like that's all Ariella was doing for Billiam's oh, fight. Like, I have a really bad feelings about this. I had a dream. You might die. Like, <laughs> I'm like, Ari, he's over here trying to get Zen and rest for his big fight. What are you doing? Ariella is the worst fucking hype woman. Like no one is going to ever ask Ariella to be part of their, in their corner, part of their fucking entourage or crew, because talk about the energy you don't need. Like I understand not being thrilled that your man's dream or your partner's dream is to be an MMA fighter. I actually really like the sport, but yeah, I would be scared to see my partner 
possibly very physically injured. It's just, I could see it being a scary thing. But what your partner doesn't need right before a fight is to be like, I have a really, really terrible feeling about this. I just really feel like you're going to get hurt. I don't feel like it's going to go well. And it's like, Ari, not supportive. Like, really, really don't need this right now. Like, girl, you were supporting his dream. You were supporting his time to get in the gym up until you saw that he was wrestling with a woman. But, like, you were supporting his time at the gym, taking care of Avi. Did you not think that was going to lead to an eventual fight? Like, he was just going to be like, you know what? All that time training. I'm just, I decided, let's stick a fork in it. It's done. God, no. She is the worst. Yeah, she is definitely not going to be called in to be anybody's motivator or Mm -hmm. hype man. I'm trying to think of, like, who in 90 Day would make like a great motivator. I don't know if you caught Mm. Angela at the fight. Did you see her little like two second cameo in the background? Angela, Mima Angela? Yeah, me. No, I did not see that. When Benny is coming in with the flag and he's like walking through the crowd about to get into the octagon, right outside of the octagon is Angela in her like, uh, what is it? um, Ethiopian garb? (laughs) No, no, in her tell-all red jumpsuit. She was literally in that red jumpsuit with the high ponytail. She was recording on her phone and she was literally like, yeah, like just all hyped up. So she seemed very supportive. Clearly, I mean, she went all the way out there to see Biddy fight. So that is the hype woman you need. And she was wearing her iconic look of the high ponytail and the red jumpsuit. Good for her. Um, and Ari's mom, Ari's mom was like, you know, I'm, I'm super excited to be here and supporting him, but I'm almost also nervous. But there was a part of her that you're like, this woman loves carnage because she's like, yeah, get in there. <laughs> I think she found a new hobby. You're going to catch her there every weekend if <laughs> Benny's so. fighting or not. <laughs> I think so. Well, the good news is that Benny won his first fight in 33 seconds. I don't watch MMA, so I am gathering from this show that it was good. In your experience, 33 seconds to a win is good? I mean, to be fair, when the his opponent came out, I was like, has this dude been training? I don't, it just does, it does, is this like one of the producers or like a, a, oh. a PA that they like uh, asked to be in oh. the scene or something? He didn't look like super prepped, but I mean, this is a good outcome and some fights, you know, can last a lot longer. Some are very quick and just from the way that it was shot, it looked like Biniam has good groundwork. And it mm. does seem at least believable to me that he would be fairly confident competent in fighting just because even when we met Biniam, we've seen that he's very acrobatic. And even there, he told us that he was very into like martial arts and jujitsu and again, acrobatics. And he's a dancer and a boxer, I think. So this is, seems like something that he definitely has been kind of training for, whether seriously or not in a way for a long time. I mean, you mentioned acrobatic like twice. He proved it. That man did a backflip off the top of the cage and the crowd loved the theatrics. So now Binyam is bound to do a backflip after every win. Like this is going to be his signature um, style. Everyone's going to be like, oh, yeah, I root for Binyam and my kids been practicing backflips in the back because he loves him so much. And do you think um, Ari's uh, routine is going to be to show up? Give him like a really negative pep talk ahead of time and then just like kind of cringe in the corner. Cringe in the corner while rocking a very like boxer wife outfit in the corner. Yes, that's a generous statement. That's not what I would call it. But yes, I mean, she was there to dazzle. (laughs) 
Oh my god. Um. Well, we didn't get any Kara and Guillermo or even Muhammad, right? I just want to make sure that like I'm not getting gypped on the scenes this time. I think uh we did we get a little bit of Muhammad. I mean, see now I'm getting confused of what is the preview for next right. week or how. Right. Because I know this week at some point Muhammad, or maybe it is in the preview. I think it, it shows something about they're talking about uh possibly possibly having a child and mm-hmm. Muhammad at the says, gym, right? Yeah, I think that's for a preview for next week, though, so we can leave it. No, it was just confusing because I I felt like it was one of those, you know, coming up before the commercial break. And it's like, I think they they cut it wrong. They cut the real wrong. That was supposed to be at the end. So, okay, no Kara, no Guillermo, no Eve, no Mohammed. Who gets your appreciation ring? Uh, My appreciation ring is going to go to two people. Um, We already gave this man some praise earlier. But that very efficient salesperson in Dallas who just shifted priorities when he saw that Patrick was not going to be dropping big dollars, he was like, fine, we'll focus on something small, but you ain't leaving and wasting my time. Like something (laughs) will be purchased here. So good on him. And then shout out to Mima for being a very supportive uh, fellow cast member, flying out to see Benny uh, fight, being far more hyped than his own wife and more supportive. <laughs> so shout out to her and rocking that jumpsuit. So they get my appreciation wings for sure. I, Gustavo was like, you know, top sales associate in, in the region. Like you are not leaving without this base. Um, Patrick should yes. try to recruit him to be part of his like a uh, pyramid scheme of door to door insurance salesman or whatever it is he does. I mean, it worked on not not insurance or selling security <laughs> systems, but yes, it worked on us because I told you we have ours because some young guy came knocking on our door and we're like, do you need water? It's hot outside in Arizona. Sure, we'll buy your system. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, You know, I I think my appreciation ring and don't hate me. It's going to go to Bilal just a little bit, only a little bit, because <laughs> while I don't agree with anything he does, like Let's this check. man is consistent in his buffoonery <laughs> he is just consistent and like i thank him for the entertainment value of well i was gonna serenade you on this horse and carriage but you know you killed the mood even though i brought up this prenup while having you 400 feet in the sky <laughs> so i mean to further your cause about his consistent buffoonery <laughs> while uh, shida was doing some like very impressive yoga stretching which is like showing some incredible flexibility he's mm-hmm. like Ugh, do you really need to that looks kind of gross and I'm like Bilal just can can you be nice once you know he, do you yeah, like he said that woman? exactly he said that it looked like she was being exercised like from the exorcism <laughs> god okay well, well go sorry ahead. I was gonna mention the breaking news but not really breaking it's just that oh. I've just come across it before we sign off we'll do a little backward uh mm doing this a little backward, I do have a piece of news. And that is that different sites and blogs are reporting that Binium has apparently filed for joint custody or some kind of custody of his first son, Simon, who lives in the U.S. That is definitely something that we will be following to see if he is successful. Uh, One of the interesting tidbits that came out of the filing that different places are reporting is that he had to uh, list income. And as of March, uh, March or May 2022, he listed his income as $0 and his oh. asset assets as $500. So I'm like, where is his TLC money going to? 
Is she just going to Ari, Ella? To, to the gym? To the, I mean, the gym fees are not cheap. That that coach does not come cheap. Apparently. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, I hope that... Okay, here's the thing. We don't know what went down between him and his ex. Assuming everything was fine and she was just tired of living in Ethiopia and missed her family, then I hope that he does get joint custody because that is ridiculous to just have your child taken away from you. That's like, it's practically kidnapping. But from a court perspective... Right. But from a court perspective, you're like, am I really going to give you a child when you are telling me point blank you have no income and five hundred dollars in assets? But it's not all custody isn't all based on money because it's not like, you know, she's asking. I mean, I guess if you have custody, you need to help support in some way. So I do Mm -hmm. feel like he would have to eventually add to whatever, you know, cause, you know, the. His wife, his ex-wife mm-hmm. is obviously fronting the bills for everything at the moment to raise their child. But at the same time, just because you don't have any means, does that mean even if you're a good parent or willing parent that you shouldn't have any custody? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, let's follow along in that journey. Um, let's not go down the rabbit hole of discussing law because you and I do not have any degrees in law and barely know the law ourselves. So <laughs> <laughs> how about let's uh, keep. Keep watching the news, and uh, for all of you listening, thanks for tuning in another week. Be sure to give us five stars on the podcast app and a glowing review. And follow me on Instagram at Bored and Bitchy. That's Bored, Letter, and Bitchy, and we will be back next week. Bye. Bye. Bored and Bitchy. Oh. Bitchy. Bitchy. Sorry. (laughs) Bored and bitchy.